Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not very often that I feel daunted to get in the pulpit and I think, well, I don't have anything to say today. Usually there's enough chutzpah inside of me that I say, you know what, I can, I can carry the ball today. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I can, I'll do fine. It'll be all right. Very seldom do I say, eh, going to stink today, this is horrid. And... But I'm telling you that after the last three sermons that I heard, this young man preach. Doggone it. Three Sundays in a row, I come up to do the creed, and I'm like, ah, 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 ah. I believe, right? To do the prayers and to, to, to have heard such fine preaching and then to pull in the, the people who are hurting and struggling in our prayers. I'm a little bit daunted today as we finish our series on Joseph. I'm a little bit daunted because the, the series has been through the summer very heartfelt. All of us come from families, all of us deal with stuff. There's not a one of our families that are perfect none of our lives that are unimpeded there's stuff going on even as I speak this morning there's things that swirl in your brain and swirl in your soul and you're thinking I don't know I don't know what this means I'm not sure where I'm going I'm not sure what to do I'm not sure and we fill our choir loft this morning with young people and you got decisions to make where are you going to go to college? What are you going to study? How's it going to be? Where are you going to go? And your parents are thinking, what? How am I going to pay for it? Absolutely, 100%. But this morning, we're going to finish up Joseph and the brothers. As Pastor said last week, most people think Joseph in the amazing Technicolor dream coat, but there's a marvelous refrain that goes in Genesis through the story of Jacob's family, the boys and the pit and the cistern and Egypt and all of those things. And it, 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 it is in Genesis 520, 50-20, where Joseph says these words, you meant this for evil, but God meant this for good. There's three pieces that I want to lead you to in Genesis 50 this morning as we finish up what's been a, a marvelous opportunity to reflect and think about our lives in Jesus. The first piece is, is from Genesis 50 verses 4 through 5. Life always narrows at the end. Life always narrows at the end. Secondly, from Genesis 50 verse 20, God's intentions always trump our intentions and thirdly Genesis 50 verses 24 and 25 two times it is said God will come to your aid God will come to your aid life always narrows at the end I've seen so many lives where it's, it's, it's way out here and everything's good and business and work and family and, and life is this huge thing and then they call and they say, Pastor, you need to come. Matter of fact, after the service today, I'm going up to St. Joseph's Hospital. And it's not going to be a huge array of 500 people. It's going to be a handful of us. Because at the end, life always narrows. And the narrowing of that life brings clarity to what's important to us. 
the things that seem so big and so grand, the, the, the decisions that slowed us down in our life, at the end it all kind of dissipates. It all goes away. And as life narrows, the things that are important, the things that are long-lasting, the things that really matter in our life are clarified. And what we've built and who we love, those, that, those feelings, those promises, they are, they are right there with us. Life narrows at the end. And what we have here in Genesis 50 is, is Jacob's life narrowing. When Moses is sent to Egypt, they said, who, who should we say sent you? And God says to tell them, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Or better spoken, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had a big life. Jacob was the man. Jacob had gone from a young sneaky kid to a seasoned grandpa now nearing the end of his life. And in that text it says he wants to be buried in Canaan. He could have been buried in Egypt, in the Bel Air or the Brentwood of Egypt, but we're going to go back to the backwater of Canaan because as life narrows, it narrows around the promise that God made to Jacob's grandpa Abraham. He promised him that he would be prosperous he promised him that he would have land and cattle and crops and all of those things and he promised him that all nations on earth would be blessed through him and after everything Jacob had been through his life was grand everything was on this big stage now it's narrowing to the thread of that promise God went to his grandpa and said, I'll be your God and you and yours will be my people. Walk before me and be blameless, Abraham. And God didn't give Abraham 50 kids. He gave him one. And then he didn't give him 50 grandkids. He gave him two. But now Jacob, big life. Twelve boys, a bunch of girls, wives and cattle and crops and all of those things. And it all narrows down. The pain of Joseph's supposed death, the deceptions of his boys, all the politics, the tears of joy and the reuniting that pastor led you to last week. And now life narrows as Jacob is ready to put his hands on his boys and say, the promise is still with us. After all we've been through and all of the stuff, years, a generation, I'm still with you. Still holding on to the promise of God. And so I think the question to think about is, how patient are you? Willing to be patient in your life? To watch life narrow down into those things that are most important? You say, Pastor, I don't know how to have this discussion with my son or daughter. I, I want to do it now. I've got to have it now. I've got to get it together now. My career isn't where I want it to be now. My life isn't where it needs to be. I need to get it now. And God needs to come down with like a, a magic wand like Harry Potter and touch the various pieces of my life so that everything is cool. And it's got to happen now. On my time, on my date, in my way of thinking, it's got to happen. Pastor, I need to speak to my child. Pastor, things aren't going well. 
it's so hard to wait because it seems like there's so much more time ahead of me that makes it so brutally difficult. And I would offer that as you become older, solving and working on those things becomes both easier and more difficult. It becomes more difficult when you realize there's more days behind you than ahead of you. And it's like an expiration date. You're saying, I got to go. I got to make it happen. I got to work. I got to work. I got to do this. And if I don't, then my legacy and his life narrows. And, and it's also a little easier because we're wiser and seasoned through life. And we know who we are and what we're all about and what it means. And instead of going and having the conversation with someone as Jacob did with his boys, instead of laying it on him and punching him in the mouth and saying, you know what, you and this and now I can get even. In wisdom that comes from age and seasoning and living your life, as life narrows, the conversations of life narrow and the wisdom and the seasoning, the experience that we have keep us rooted in those we love. And we're able to speak with a powerful voice like Jacob does to his boys in Genesis 50. Say what you need to say. Don't take an opportunity to unload, to hurt, to cut. Take that opportunity as life narrows to be gracious. When you know people will remember your words and your blessing, then bless them and let the promise of God, the promise of family be on your lips and in your heart. You know, we don't know everything Jacob did. We don't know everything Joseph did. We don't know everything the brothers did. But the family sure seems to me, after all they've been through, to be a whole lot tighter in Genesis 50 than they are in any of the chapters previously. And I wonder if Jacob pulled Judah aside and said, Judah, my oldest boy, man, it's been a long and winding road, son, but you've been with me. And I want you to know, Judah, that through all we've been through, I love you and I'm proud of you. See, that's a blessing that a dad gives his son. That means more to both than anything we can ever purchase by any vacation we can ever have. As life narrows, those conversations become richer and deeper, using our influence and the experiences in our families to make a difference in the souls of those who will come after us. And in that narrow place, when, when, when life narrows down to just me and Jesus, it's there that Jesus speaks those words of his covenant, as I was with Abraham as I was with Isaac, as I was with Jacob, so will I be with you. That marvelous gift that as life narrows and things clarify, that there's opportunities to bless and to encourage and to send the younger people into their lives with the grace that matters. 
Secondly, God's intention trumps our intention. These words are just precious. Joseph comes to his brothers and he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Now, if you're going to stick something in your, in your Bible, if you're going to hold on to something on the most catastrophic weather day in the history of Southern California, here it is. You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Work the long game. Work the long game. How long can you wait? How patient can you be? We see our intentions in terms of what we want to see happen now. I've got a timetable in my life. I've got to have my career here. I've got to have my life here. I've got to have my salary here. I've got to have all my relationships here. I don't know how you guys do it because on your phone and all your stuff, things and, and time just clicks away, right? Like, ah! How many of you long for the day when your parents throw you the car keys and say, go get them? How many parents want that? Oh, no. Tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. Go, 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 go. Sometimes our intentions get in the way of doing the right thing because what is expedient in the short term isn't necessarily what's good for us. Those brothers were horrible. They, they grabbed Joseph, they threw him in a well. Then they sold him off to slavery in Egypt. And, and all of those things. You would think at some point, Joseph would put his head down and say, I'm going to stick it to you. You got this coming. And the brothers would have said, you're right. We got this coming. We treated you horribly. It was our intention to kill you. Instead, Joseph comes across graciously. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. As life narrows, they see how kind of askew their intentions are and how marvelously God has worked in their family. And that the short-term intentions didn't work out so hot, but the long-term intentions of God saved hundreds and thousands and millions of people. Joseph had done such a good job that people were eating in all the lands and nations around Egypt. And so he's right on when he says... God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. But God had a bigger intention going on. In Jacob's family was the bloodline of the Messiah. It was God's intention to bless the whole world through Abraham's family. Again, one boy to Isaac, two, one boy from Abraham, two from Isaac, and now here we go. Ironically enough, the seed of the Messiah would come from Judah, God knew all along that he would work out his intent in that crooked family and that people wouldn't be able to see it necessarily until they looked back at it and they saw the intentions of God working out for the salvation of humanity and that in the lens of history the, the intentions of Joseph's brothers would go away and the things that God intended for good, those would come forth. God's intentions. What does God intend for you? Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't. E except for this. 
When God's intentions are spoken of in Scripture and God works in and through His Word to remind us and form us, He reminds us that His intentions are for our good. God wants good for you. Jacob, Isaac, Abraham, and Judah. God's intentions were good for them. It took a while to, to, to get to it, but God kept His promise I intend to make you wealthy and prosperous. I intend to bless all the people of the world through you. All lives for all times will be touched by your family, Abraham. And Abraham received that to faith and God reckoned that to him as righteousness. But what are God's intentions for you? I don't know. You know where you're going to go to college? You got that all figured out? You know how you're going to pay for that? Got that all figured out? You know where you're going in your career? Got that all figured out? You know how every little wrinkle and turn and twist and valley and hill and all those things in family and life, do you know how all of that is going to play out? Because if you do, you're a better person than me. But this I know. Through the word and promise of Jesus Christ, we are reminded that it is God's intent in our lives that all things work together for God. And that nothing would ever separate you and me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That is God's intention for you and me in our lives. And it means that we hold on to that promise in faith when it ain't easy, when it's hard, and when we can't see, and when there's not a light that says, go here. Rather, we hold on to faith. And we step back and we say, wait a minute, wait a minute. My intention is to move here. That's clearly a mess. That's right. God wants what's best for me. God works things together for good. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that is mine in Christ Jesus. What have you struggled with as your life narrows? And how do you believe more fervently that the struggles you are going through now, which are described in the book of First Corinthians, in Second Corinthians as light and momentary, how do you trust that God has intended for you to have a life that's good and not miserable? Joseph, right? Joseph, stuck in a well, sold into slavery, he's in jail. Joseph persevered, all of that. So will you. God intends good for you. God's intention is to do you right, to do you good. And the embodiment of that is found in Jesus, our Savior. Jesus is the ultimate reality of God's intent for us and for all humanity. For in and through Jesus, God has saved not just us, but the world. He has redeemed the world through the death of the grandson of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And by God's grace, we receive his mercy and his love. We go back to that promise, to that family. We go back to all of the misdeeds and all of the stuff and we're reminded that God intends to bless us, to do good to us and never ever to abandon us and leave us alone. So life is hot and cold, up and down, good and evil. But God's intention is always consistent and strong and persevering through all of the situations of our lives and all of the transitions that we go through, God ultimately does good for all of us.
long ball, long game, a lifetime of following Jesus. Not just a moment, not just a season, but throughout a lifetime, God shows us his intent and blesses us as we follow him. And number three, God will come to your aid. It's the only piece in this text that's written twice. <laughs> Joseph says, God will come to your aid. And then the writer writes, he says, yeah. And then he said, God will come to your aid. And I love that. That Hebrew word in there is beautiful. It's not used very often in, in Scripture. But it means God will visit you. Literally, God will visit you with good. Joseph says that to his brothers. His brothers are still dumb. They're, they're still out to lunch. They're elbowing each other saying, now Joseph's going to stick it to us. Joseph says, no, I'm not. I forgive you. I love you. This is good. You meant this for evil. God meant this. We're all good. Give me a hug. Let's go. And let's go to Jacob's funeral. We're all together in this. And they say, well, no, first you need to forgive us. <laughs> Joseph, here's the blessing. May God visit you and come to your aid. May God look over you and may God's intentions work their way out in your life. Instead of cursing his brothers, Joseph blesses them and their families. He reminds them that he forgives them. He reminds them that God is gracious as well, that God will be there, that God will come to the aid. He knew what he was talking about. He knew that the DNA of the Messiah was in the line of his brother's. Isn't it marvelous that one of Joseph's nephews named Perez is mentioned in the book of Matthew as being the one who would be in so many generations, 14 plus 14 plus 14 generations. It would be from Perez that would come Jesus. 14 generations from Abraham to David, long ball. 14 generations of David to the exile in Babylon, long ball. 14 generations to Jesus the Christ, long ball. God will come to your aid. That specific promise embodied in Christ took 42 generations. And sometimes it feels like that. My gosh, Lord, it's been so long. How about now? How about now? How about now? How about now? Come on, really? Come on, now, come on. Do you feel stuck? Do you feel stuck in a sense of grief? Are you stuck in addiction? Stuck with this sense of dread and anxiety? Are you stuck in worry? Are you stuck in an uncontrollable place in your life where you say, I don't know how this is all going to work out? then this story of Joseph and his boys is there for you because you are drawn in, you are written into that story and you are written into the redemptive peace of God's love coming to you through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Are you stuck? Well, how about this as we close? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God who so Joseph through all of his stuff, that God will come to your aid and visit you with his mercy. Not with the fiery eyes of condemnation and anger, but with the eyes of his mercy and the tones of his grace. 
and the embrace of his love. For after all is said and done, when the story scrolls at the end and the credits roll in your life and mine, when life narrows to that one point where it's me and Jesus, we can nod our heads, we can look our Savior in the eye, and we can recount this promise that God meant all of this, all of the ups and downs, all of this, all of our lives, God meant all of this for our good. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.